You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Right before you pushed the red button, I said, Kirk, I'm starting with a rant today. And I told you what the topic was. And you said, I don't know what side you're going to take. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Are you prepared? Do you have a strong feeling one way or the other before I get rolling? Why don't you just preface it quickly and then I'll give you my guess. Okay. This weekend, there was a lot of racing in general, in the running world. Olympic trials are happening right now. The Kenyan trials happened, which is always a mess. The African federations are always overly politicized. So there's, for the running world, there's a ton of really exciting things to watch. And then in the OCR world, we had several competitions. And one of them was the Dallas Stadium race at AT AT&T Stadium. And the drama that stemmed from here is that Robert Killian ran age group after he ran the pro wave. Yep. And people lost their minds about it. So I'm going to rant about this for a little bit, but I guess before I get off and steer the locomotive down the tracks, get like five words in before I cut you off. Well, I I was just going to guess your, your take. Okay. Guess my take. Uh, You are pro Robert Killian's decision on this. Uh, That's my five words. I guess you could sum it down, sum it up and say, yes, I'm pro Robert Killian's decision, but I'm actually going to rant against what happened next rather than his decision. Okay. Okay. So what happened is that Robert Killian took fourth place in the pro wave. He missed his spear. He was upset. He went out and he's a guy that does multiple laps a lot. And he went out in age group but he wore a timing chip Mm -hmm. and then he didn't pull himself from results. He kept his result. Obviously he won. And then he stood on the age group podium. If Robert Killian did not stand on the age group podium, this would be a different conversation. Then that would be disrespectful. It would be. And, and I think it highlights a couple things with our sport, but the first thing is that it highlighted is just how awful people are online. All right. So allow me my old person rant. Yeah. We have a sport that is the most accessible sport in the world. We've talked about this all the time. It's the only sport where you can go out and do the exact same thing that world champions do on and run on the exact same footsteps as they do running. I tried to run out on Lambeau field and throw football out there in Rogers once it did not end. Well, I was a couple nights in the pen back and yeah, we're lucky in this sport. We are Boston marathon. You run the same route that the pros run. You can run on the same tracks for the most part in OCR. You run the exact same course. You touch the same obstacles. It's, and then everyone mingles afterwards at the venue. And so we understand the people in our sport more than any other sport. And yet 
despite our relationship that we have with the top end athletes and between media members and top end athletes, we all just devolve back into the same cesspool of online internet comments. I know online internet is, is redundant, but it was this, it just took on a life of its own. People were attacking Robert saying it really talks about his integrity and it really speaks to his character. Really, The man ran an extra race to get extra fitness in and it talks to his character. So people were bashing him. We even had media members go off on expletive filled tirades against Killian and Ryan Kent. You probably can't find, yeah, Ryan Kent said, I've done it. it happens all the time. And uh, a media member ripped into him and started getting really personal. Mm. And and it just struck me as like, aren't we better than this? And and we started, I started seeing the comments. This is why we'll never be a major sport. This is why our sport will never arrive. Like, no, you are, you're why the sport will never arrive. Because mm-hmm. it's filled with petty people, not filled with, but we contain a lot of petty people who are in it for the wrong reasons. And in your point highlights it. If he wouldn't have stood on the podium, nobody would have cared. He stood there proud. He he earned it. He owned it. And he went up and respected what he had done enough to go stand on that podium, which means it had worth to him. And that says something. Yeah. And, and it highlights why a lot of people do OCR, which is to get pictures. 100%. And brag about it. 100%. I support people being proud of what they do. But when you run it so that you can post a picture on Metal Monday as a 40-year-old successful individual with a family, like if you didn't get the medal, would you have shown up? But the first thing you wanted to do was run online. Like we do not need external validation to feel good about ourselves. But but if there was no external validation, we might lose half the people in the sport. It's tough, isn't it? It's bizarre because running, running is one of the purest sports. And it's one of those sports that people get into. It was highlighted by, not to draw it back to me, but my wife's own episode. A lot of people get into this for the mental health aspect. It's escape. You can go do it anywhere, anytime with no equipment. You just do it and it improves your being. So the fact that a podium or a medal worms its way into our psyche and suddenly that's the important part, that's the worrisome part to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate when people troll people online or go after them or make unjust personal attacks, but it really casts a, a pall over the sport of running when you realize people aren't running for their health or for, for their personal satisfaction. They're running because a podium exists or because they get to post about their medal. And that, that, that was disappointing to me that everyone there cared more about the sanctity of their podium than the fact that everyone who actually ran in that wave was ecstatic that they got to compete next to a world champion for the first time in their life. The guy who took second made it his mission to keep Robert in sight for as long as possible. Like that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. They have a podium picture standing on a podium with Robert Keeling now, who's a two-time world champion, arguably, um, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. And, and those people who were there understood that it was cool. I've run extra waves before, and I'm not a celebrity like Robert Killian. And it is a nonstop chorus of people saying, oh, it's so cool to see you out there. I'm going to try to hang with you for the next 100 meters. Like, it's a fantastic experience for everyone involved. But the people who weren't there kicking back in their recliners decided, 
oh, that is a lack of integrity. That really speaks to his lack of character and moral fiber. And they launched off on a tirade. And these are the same people that asked him for a picture in person. It just really rubbed me the wrong way when I saw this happening. I'm not even judging what he did. I'm judging the reaction towards what he did. Well, why don't you judge what he did for a second? Well, because it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, Josh, sure. We just went on a, a rant about it. What, what, do you, what, what do you think of it Be, besides the aftermath? Well, I want to make the point that my opinion doesn't matter. Sure it does. Because it's my opinion. You have people that, sit, that kept saying, that's bad form. That's such bad taste. That's a terrible look. And what they're saying is, I know good form and you don't. Or I know good taste and you don't. I know what a good look is and you don't. That's a bad. What they're saying is my opinion is the correct opinion and everyone else is a fool. So for me to go on and proclaim what he did was right or wrong doesn't matter because I don't know why he did it. I don't know how everyone else around him felt other than the people who have spoke up who were there and said it was pretty awesome. So my opinion is not the rule. So I don't want to make a morality call on this because I'm not in charge of morality. My, yep. my, my opinion is exactly as equal as every other person's out there. And so I can't go on and be like, you're fools for saying he's wrong and you're fools who saying he's right. I'm saying you're a fool if you personally attack someone because of a medal and a podium. I would say your opinion does matter because you have largely more perspective than the average OCR consumer. So you have uh, more insight on this. What I see is a guy who has had a slow start to his career or his, his racing season. He always races himself into shape and slowly comes along. And it's okay to be selfish in some regards. And he took his opportunity. He doesn't have as much time these days as he used to. He went to Dallas to get a good effort in. And he decided to make this some, a weekend that's going to make him better. The race was historically shorter in duration than it typically was as far as time goes. And he wanted to go and get decent work in because that's where he's at in his life and his, in his season. And so he said, I want to go work hard. And the way to do that is to put a timing chip on my wrist and go work hard. And it doesn't matter what the hell you think watching it. This guy has a lot going on, took advantage of a weekend, has every right to do so. And if you can't beat him, then go fucking train harder. Mm -hmm. It's not that big of a deal. You got to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and you can only stand in your own. And any of those people need to do some self-reflection, in my opinion. I think that he can do what he wants. I think he made the right call. I think that for him and his progression and understanding where he's coming out, looking at the world through his eyes, I think that was the right move based on what I understand about him as an athlete. And so, sorry, fourth place in your age group. I'm guessing you're the one of those who actually stood there and, and took it and probably commended him for doing it. In fact, I think I saw a comment from the fourth place gentleman who was like, hats off. I didn't get it this time, but cool to see you in the race. But nonetheless, um, I, I don't see a problem with it. I, I, my rant can be short, but I have more to say. I'm sure you do. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have stated, I'm not going to, to denounce it or support it. I'm going to support both sides and, 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 and try to give an example of how to objectively and empathetically approach a situation that is not a life-changing deal. So the first is I have done what Robert did. In fact, I might even be partially responsible for it because he texted me before the race and said, hey, I have to start in wave two, it looks like. How do you go about doing that? 
do you run into bottlenecks, anything like that? And I said, well, to be honest, my fast, my one of my only times ever doing that was when I ran elite the first wave and I did age group the last wave of the day or open. And I took my brother's timing chip who had signed up for elite and I wore it to run a later uh, wave in the day so that I could get in. Now, this is the first thing people need to realize is that a stadium race is not like a normal race. Normal race, Spartan controls all facets of the race. In a stadium race, Spartan are guests at a venue where the stadium security holds the ticket that you can get in or not get in. And because they don't know the reigning world champion because they work for the Dallas Cowboys security, whoever they hire out to, they don't work for Spartan. They don't know who Robert Killian is. And so Robert can't walk through the gates up towards the start line without the proper identification on, which is a bracelet and a timing chip. Now they may not check timing chip, but you need a bracelet. And the only way to get the bracelet with the number on it, because in stadium waves, they write what time you start on your bracelet. Security's not going to let you up there unless it says I have the 915 start time. I want to interject real quick. So um, I've run one stadium race in my life in Green Bay, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field with you. Mm -hmm. uh, Killian did win that day. After the fact, we were all hanging around and Killian said, I want to go run a couple extra laps. You guys want to come? Me, Mike Ferguson and Robert Killian went and ran two extra laps. We went to start. They would not allow us through without a timing chip. We had to go get a timing chip from registration and run the open wave to even just get through the corral in order to go run extra laps. So I'm in the open results. Yes. Robert Killian's that we won. We went <laughs> one, two, three, just so we could cross the line and get extra laps. And so I just want to speak my brief. Uh, this isn't like uncommon place for Robert Killian or pro athletes. I needed a timing chip to even get through. So I just want to lay that out there. Yeah. So, so I'm not just blowing smoke. That's the only way to get through security is to have a bracelet. And the only way to get bracelet is to be registered for a wave and they give you a timing chip with it. Now it's a 30 or $40 fee if you lose the timing chip. So you're going to hold on to the timing chip. Most of the time, you're not going to want to go back to the car because remember in the stadium, you have to go out past security to get to the parking lot and then come back through. It's just a hassle. So you're going to put the timing chip on or tuck it in your pocket. Like, so just speaking from a logical standpoint, that's the mindset of people running extra waves that the outside armchair quarterback did not think about is why did he even have a timing chip to start with? Well, because he was given one in order to get through to start the wave. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's the first thing. The second is that I told him it was a really cool, valuable learning experience because at the end of the day, I beat my, my, my pro wave time because I ran it non-tactically. I ran it truly time trial style. I just went out at the best effort I could sustain. And there were some times I had to wait up for people and do extra running to get around people. But because I never tipped and I wasn't running tactics and surges, I was like 15 seconds faster in my second race of the day with no competition around me than I was at, at the, in the first wave. I said, it was kind of cool to do. So maybe I'm even partially at fault for him doing this because I shared my experience of that. But so the reason he started with a chip is because it was the most convenient way to get back out onto the course. Yep. Second thing is that Robert's a father. Robert works. Like you talked about the time thing. If you have to fly all the way to a race and his race was done in 31 minutes, chances are a normal weekend, he doesn't have 31 minutes of work. So he's going to get extra volume in and he wanted to do it 
at a hard effort. So he went out and did that. So again, that's why he did what he did to go to the other side of the coin. So I fully support him doing what he did because I've done it. In fact, I've even done it worse. I've worn other people's chips to get back out on the course. (laughs) So that's worse. And people would say, why don't you just go without? Why not sneak in? Well, can you imagine the uproar that people get when a quote unquote pro athlete gets uh, preferential treatment and gets to just jump onto the course, run around, do whatever you want, and then jump off? Yeah, we see people take crap for that all the time. So it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can either get mad that pros get free reign of it, or you can get mad when they follow the rules and show up in your results. But you can't really get mad at both. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Finally, the other side, the side that's justifiably mad. And this is the part that I don't think Robert thought about before he did it, which is, There are qualification standards to get to North American championships, to get to worlds, and to qualify for elite. And I think if you go top five or top eight in age group, you qualify for the elite field. You get your pro card, right? And then you can enter the gated pro wave. So in theory, he kept one person, maybe. Potentially, he could have prevented up to one person from qualifying in for the pro field. That's the single negative drawback other than one person may have missed their opportunity to get on the podium and have their picture taken. Again, is that selfish, the podium part? Yeah, but it's also, you you deserve to stand on a podium if you go top three. That's a lot of work. That's what people shoot for. But it's the qualification part that he probably didn't think about and that I wouldn't have thought about either because we've never been in that boat. That being said, I haven't seen anyone provide proof that there's not a roll down. That if Robert Killian wins, that they only take seven people in, I think it still rolls down to eighth because there are people in age group who have qualified. So as far as I know, the rule is it rolls down to the top eight non-qualified people. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's really the only argument for what he did that was maybe lacking some, some awareness is that he could have, if the rules written a certain way, prevented someone from getting their pro card. Well, I believe the number is five, and I believe there is is no roll down actually okay. in this qualification standard. However, um, if I'm if I'm guessing, I would say that Dallas Dallas was stacked. the The fields were deep, especially in age group. My guess is number six gentleman probably has taken top five in a different race at some point. Would be my hope because Dallas was deeper than most races, other than U.S. National Series. So let's hope that that wasn't the case. But that's a very good point that probably wasn't thought out on his behalf. So I'm going to go back to getting frustrated with people's illogical comments. This is the last piece that I think I have for this, Kirk. And that is right away, people loved to make analogies. You don't know. Man, do I support that. Uh But they have to be accurate. And one person said, oh, if you're if you're OK with this, then I suppose it's OK that if LeBron James went down and decided I'm going to be an NCAA athlete this week. (laughs) Well, no, that's a terrible analogy, but let's follow that train of thought. What if an NBA player decided that he wanted to play a non-NBA league? What would happen? Well, that's called the Drew League, which is a high-level, essentially pickup league, but it's invite only. And every year, footage emerging, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, LeBron James have all joined and jumped in to get some open run at Drew League. And you know what happens? It gets a ton of eyes on the league. Everyone who's on court gets to spend time with a legend. And 
every person that shows up takes playing time away from someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And it's acceptable and it's lauded. In that world, in the basketball world, they say it's so cool that an all-NBA player comes down and plays with the mortals. And they give them a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And yeah, you got your playing time cut in half, but you got to share the court with one of the greats. And it was such a learning experience. And you got to see what the pro level is like, the focus, the intensity, the technique, right up in person. So the LeBron James argument, right away, it doesn't fly. That argument of this is why our sport's not going to be, this is not going to be ever taken seriously. If someone said, this is like if a heavyweight decided to cut weight down and fight flyweight. <laughs> well, a, no, it's not at all. But B, do you know what pro fighting camps do to prepare you for an opponent? They bring someone in who's bigger, taller, stronger, and faster than your opponent. So heavyweights do spar with middleweights and middleweights come in and spar with lightweights to give them that taste of what the next level's like. So again, the boxing and fighting analogy, that doesn't fly either. People have talked about, well, what about baseball? They said that'd be like if one of the top baseball players decided to play Little League. That Little League would have 500% more turnout next year Mm. if someone came down. Like There is nothing but positive when pros and other sports do it. And that's, we just want to stick to running all the time this happens. There is a the runner who won Boston, the Boston Marathon. He's from Japan. Yuki Kawauchi is considered like the man of the people. He works a full-time pro, I mean a full-time job, but he runs professionally for Japan. And he won the Boston Marathon in 2018. His tune-up for the Boston Marathon was a podunk marathon that he won in Boston to get bad weather running in. This happens Mm -hmm. all the time. Galen Rupp always tunes up for his big races by running a half marathon somewhere in Portland. And he's disappointed with his Olympic trials performance, by the way, but continue. Let's get to that because I was impressed with it. Ah, no, let's let you go first. I got things to say too, but I want you to say, this happens all the time. Mondo Duplantis, who's the world record holder in the, in um, pole vault sometimes shows up at, uh, at a meet and just kind of puts on a show. And you know who doesn't win that day? Anybody else. And what these people do is if they win prize money, they generally either donate it or just roll it down to the next person. I've done this at races. I've been at a race where there was a cash prize for an event that was the weaker field. And I've done it as the second race of the weekend or because I wanted to get a good time trial in. And it's like 40 bucks and I just passed it down to second. And then second gives third place theirs and third gives fourth place theirs. Everyone gets the money they were supposed to get. And I'm a nobody in the running world, Kirk. So like this happens all over the place. People always do this. Do you know what happens in pro baseball when you get injured and you're coming back? They stick you in the minor leagues Mm -hmm. and somebody doesn't get to play that day. And everyone else gets to experience being with you for that day. So this is just what happens in sports. And it's what's going to continue to happen. Now, going forward, I think every pro learn don't stand on the podium. Or if you do, call fourth place up and give him the third place spot. Call third place to second, second up to first, and put your arm around them and stand there with them. Like make it a cool photo op. No, you should go on the you should go on the podium. That's disrespectful. And I think you call everyone else up. But either way, my point is that this was not a sneaky move. He was on the course with a timing ship because security said you needed to do that. 
and he stood on it because Robert respects the podium. He didn't want to walk away and be like, podium age group doesn't matter to me. And that sends a terrible message to the sport. He stood up there because he respected the process. So anyways, to the media members who are blowing this up out of proportion, I hate this phrase, but kind of shame on you. You're stirring up smoke where there is no fire. And to the people playing armchair quarterback, just remember that there are perspectives to this that should be found out before you launch into a tirade against people. And to people who are considering running extra laps, do it. Do it the right way and be respectful to the people out there. That's it. End of tirade for me, Kirk. That's it? That's all you had, Bracken? That was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Barely 20 minutes. That was nothing. I I think that Robert Killian um, running age group standing on the podium doesn't that validate the age group sector in a way? Doesn't it? You, you'll you hear uh, these same media outlets call them podiums, these false podiums. And people say, I won today. And they like to bag on the age groupers who act as if they had won the whole race. And people who don't know any better that follow them on social media think, oh, you're awesome. You won. But they didn't win the whole race, right? And, and that's like a, a whole narrative that, that media will play sometimes. Um doesn't that validate that that's probably the most legit age group podium you could ever stand on. And point being, you know that Robert Killian didn't go one, one, one in age group. He went one, one, two. He took second overall in age group. He was beat by somebody. Don't know if you know this. I do. Which not validates know that. that gentleman even more. Yeah. He lost by like, I don't know, five seconds to somebody. That's awesome. Correct. That's once in a lifetime for those guys. Exactly. And and I understand that these people who run age group, the bulk of our listeners, which I love, um, sacrifice just as much as Robert Killian. They have families and they work full-time jobs and they are the rule, not the exception. And and so I understand frustration when somebody sacrifices a lot to come race and then has to sit in fourth place and not get on a podium because a pro does it. But you made very good arguments. And I am on his... Um, I'll take a stance on that and I'm on his side and I understand it. You can always, if you can look through, you know, get out of your own lens then and, and look through it through everybody else's. And in this case, look through it through Robert Killian's. It makes sense. And what do we know about Robert Killian? Does the guy not, he's the only pro who posts a medal Monday ever. Yeah. He's the only pro who holds a high accord to the hardware as a respect to what it has taken to get him that hardware. And so for Robert Killian to go race and then pay respect to what he has done and actually own it and maybe even be proud of it, which he should be, just shows that this wasn't a drop in the bucket for him. It shows that there was respect given to the race and the podium and the whole event. And that maybe he's one of those guys where medals mean something mm-hmm. more than maybe you who just burns your old ones for no reason. So, <laughs> so point being is if you look at it through his psyche, it's okay it's okay that he did what he did because there was a level of respect given to what he had done. And so um, there was no mal or malicious intent. And so, so I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. I forgot another example, Kirk, since we're talking about Olympic trials, I think this is important to our sport because this is exactly what he just did. There's the pro division of the 15 of, of the 10 K and the pro division of the 800 meter at a, at a track meet in Oregon. And Mm. there was a high level marathoner ran the pro 10 K outkicked Galen Rupp and won it and ran the second heat of the 10 K and got outkicked for the win. 
So he ran back-to-back races, just like Killian did, the pro wave and then the the B wave. And he took someone's spot in the B wave to be in there, and he bumped someone off the podium. And Matthew Centrowitz is the reigning Olympic champion in the 1,500-meter run. Reigning Olympic champion. Yep. He ran back-to-back-to-back 800-meter heats at that same meet. So he ran the pro wave and then the B wave and then the C wave, and he took someone's spot in all of them, Kirk. But everyone there was so excited to get on the track with him. And he went like 149, 150, 153 or something like that. Uh Faded hard that third one. And someone got the chance to outkick him. But the reigning Olympic champion, which is our sports equivalent of the reigning Spartan race champion, ran the B heat and the C heat to get extra practice in. And you know what the running world did? They started a thread on let's run.com congratulating him for being an everyman. Mm-hmm. You know what our sport did? Cruise told him he was a selfish, <laughs> uh, selfish prick with no integrity. So maybe, maybe, maybe next time we just do like 30 seconds of cursory research to find out the why before we start calling people out for their lack of integrity. That was a well, uh, well worth rant there, Bracken. All right. Why don't, here's the deal (laughs) this is always the slippery slope for us kirk right because we want to be of the people for the people and at the same time sometimes we feel the responsibility to tell people that they're being foolish but we don't want to we don't want to lose people but we don't want people to lose the sport either Hmm. but but we're here to spread knowledge right and and if if you don't have any perspective but your own then uh, your ideas are limited. So that's what we're here to spread as well. You know, I, I here's where I'm at right now. So I'm, we have a topic today, but I don't even know. I, I almost think we just have, a, we just chat some things out today. We'll get to our topic next week. That topic will be there next week. Unless you got a real, you're real excited to get to this one. Let's, <laughs> let's jump lanes and let, let's, let's freestyle here. Well, you had you had something to say about the Olympic trials and being uh, impressed with Galen Rupp's performance. Oh yeah, we can go down that route. Well, I'd like to because this this is an exciting time in in running. We have the the Olympics postponed a year, and the trials are this week, and um, you have all of these stud athletes coming back from NCAA championships a week ago, and half of the Olympic trial field is full of NCAA collegiates now going to represent the U.S. in the Olympics, coming off of multiple qualifying heats and then final heats a week prior and now they're suddenly doing the whole thing again which is physiologically nearly impossible to completely recover in that amount of time and represent your country in the olympics and that's all happening and for somebody who understands the sport and gets how hard that is to do it's actually been really exciting racing to watch up to this point anyway. So I just think, I don't know, it's topic, it's relevant, it's happening now. It's happening as I think the first half of this week, isn't it? Or all week. It's We still have like eight days left of yeah. Olympic trials. Yeah, track and field trials. Are they, I don't know if they go the whole week, but nonetheless. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so it's going on. So we might as well chat it out. So first Galen Rupp, I suppose, he ran the 10K, which was the only male final happening on day one. And for a little bit of perspective for people, he was the runner-up behind Mo Farah in London. And then he transitioned to the marathon and took bronze, I believe. Silver or bronze? 
I want to say bronze, bronze. in the marathon in Rio. Mm-hmm. So he made the successful transition and now he's prepping after injury and time away and switching coaches and his coach, Alberto Salazar, was banned from the sport temporarily for being associated with um, gray area drug use. All they could prove was gray area. Don't tell me that Alberto Salazar isn't texting Galen Rupp on a Tuesday morning and be like, eight by eight, eight, thousand Galen. I don't know. He moved to Mike <laughs> Smith, who is the NAU coach. One of the most respect. I think it was the, the best coaching move he could have made. He went to one of the most respected above board coaches out there, who's a collegiate coach. I think it was a great move. Anyways, he's come all the way back. He won the marathon trials. He's prepping for the marathon in really just a few weeks at the Olympics. And he also ran the 10K trials in in Oregon uh, on Friday night. And he took fourth. He didn't they, qualify. Now, do you think – Do you think – And so part of me was wondering this as I was watching him race because he did not run an aggressive race – he ran like the every man's race who like was just glad to be there. And part of me was wondering if that was an intentional finish on his behalf. Do you think there's that's in the realm of possibility or do you think that it was not? Because I didn't see the heart I wanted to see. And when he crossed the finish line and Grant Fisher crossed and whoever, very impressed with Grant Fisher's performance, by the way, because Grant Fisher historically got, bettered in most of his collegiate championships so to see him make the olympic team yeah. is good but anyways he got done and 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 galen looked like he hadn't really so much as run an interval workout and was congratulating the guys with genuine sincerity made me believe that maybe he he was just there for a tune-up i think it's a flip of the coin for me to decide i could absolutely see that he has his spot he's been that guy since removing himself from uh, the Nike camp. He's still with Nike, but that camp in Oregon and Salazar and moving to Mike Smith, he's become more sociable. He's always seen as a robot. He's become more, he's been humanized over the last few years and he's interacting with some of his peers for the first time. So I could see that happening saying, I want to get a good hard workout. And really, I want some championship tactic practice. And you saw that he got tripped twice in the last lap. Galen Rupp was the master tactician. And he looked rusty. So I wonder if that wasn't it. The other part That's that I could... Rusty is the good word. He's in marathon shape. And the first thing to go in marathon training is your sprint form, your sprint speed. And he spent a decade with Alberto Salazar working to be able to finish a 5K and a 10K at the world level in really, really top end form. Just being able to sprint his last 200 meters. And that would be the one thing that he would not be sharp on right now. And it showed four men had distanced themselves from the field at the bell lap and he took fourth. He he made it that far on strength, but he just couldn't close. So I don't know if he couldn't close or wouldn't, but either way, yeah, he looked rusty. And so that's mm-hmm. why I was impressed. He threw himself in there. I don't think he would have under Salazar, but he went out there and said, I'm going to take spotlight practice right now. Everyone's going to be watching, but I'm going to go out there and knock some rust off. And so I was impressed with that. And against the best in the U.S., he's still – and he's not training for a 10K. He still made it to the final lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess so, Bracken. But it's it's weird because he was the guard. Like, he, it was him and then everyone else in the 10K. When he set the American record, he ran alone. There's no one who could touch him. And he won something like eight straight. US titles or 10, whatever it was. And to see him take fourth, 
it was a little disappointing as a fan to realize like this isn't the guy we've seen in the past. It was disappointing because fourth was the best position he'd ever been in. And he hadn't achieved that positioning in the race until the last two laps. He sat in the back middle. Yeah. And so that he didn't assert himself. And so, but, but if I'm not mistaken, he already has the, he is already representing the U S and the Olympics in the marathon. Correct. Yeah. And, and so tactically he has no Olympic trials to run there. And um, at the Olympics, the marathon is run basically before anything else, if I'm not mistaken. So he could double back after the marathon and as a bonus, run the 10K if he had qualified. So it wouldn't have taken away from his primary race if he did qualify through in the 10K regardless, if I'm not mistaken. And he did that in Rio. He ran marathon and 10K in Rio. Okay. And got dropped pretty badly in the 10K. Yeah, which is... When the racing started, he just... I mean, how can you? I think it's reversed, though. I thought it was 10K first, then marathon. Mm-hmm. I thought marathon closed it out. I could be wrong. doesn't matter. I'll have to look, but... Biggest news at the trial so far is that America's best female distance runner was popped for Nandrolone right before trials. Mm. Now, she was popped like four months ago, it looks like, but she had a appeals process that was kept private. And they just finally ruled that she was banned for four years. And her argument, what is her name? Shelby Houlihan. Shelby Houlihan's argument is that she had eaten pork from some some type of pork in which contains a high amount of this substance the day of her drug testing. And she stands by it and her whole coaching and teammate staff stand by it that this is an outrage and that it is not legitimate. Yeah. Pork. Her lunch is what caused her. A burrito. A burrito. Yeah. What what do you make of that? Well, I mean, it's... It's I'm guilty 101 defense. You pick a provable, logical, surface level excuse that the public will rally behind. And that's what people do. You claim tainted meat right now. Now there is this. Okay. So the the science behind this, I don't know if you know it at all. Nandrolone is a steroid. Nandrolone is a steroid and it helps with uh, joint integrity, health, inflammation, and also helps a bit with recovery like all steroids do. Mm-hmm. So it's not a masking agent. She got caught for the real thing. So her, the science behind it says that uncastrated pigs have a high enough presence of certain um, hormones in their meat that you can test positive for trace amounts of nandrolone if you consume enough of that meat. Is that the whole like uh, poppy seed opium sort of essentially yeah. yeah except you actually test for it like there's actually that substance present however at the level she tested positive for i believe she would have needed 300 grams of pure pork that came from an uncastrated pig 100 percent of the grams would have had to come from that and it all would so I don't know if anyone, not anyone, but if a lot of people understand what 300 grams. That's 1,200 calories of straight pork. So the, the size of this burrito, I want to say that a Qdoba or a Chipotle burrito has like 50 to 70 grams of beef in it or pork. Yeah. And yeah. those things are about as big as a burrito as you can buy. So it would have had to be a serious burrito. The other thing is that, Kirk, you're a hunter. Mm-hmm. What does uncastrated wild boar taste like? I... I've eaten wild boar, but I can't tell you if it's been castrated or not. I would assume one. 
Okay, so if you have never had uncastrated pig, it is unpleasant. It is noticeable that you're not eating pork. You sure? Yes. How? 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 That's why we castrate our pigs is because it has a direct effect on the taste of the meat. I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you in my case if it was castrated or not. But continue. It was bacon. You can't mess that up. Anyways, I mean, I mean, it, there are little. There are little cues on the side that make it unlikely, but the fact that is that she didn't, it wasn't a trace amount. Now, I'm not going to say that she couldn't be telling the truth because she could be, but this is the problem with our current system, which is every person who gets caught uses really logical excuses and it kind of ruins it for everyone else. So even Mm -hmm. if she's guilt, even if she's not guilty, which I don't believe, uh, you can't trust it because everyone else uses the same excuse. What, what do you do? You get busted and then you say, you go right to Google and say, what contains this? And then you create a narrative that explains it. The hard part is seeing her tribe rally around her in the sense where if she's lying to the public, she's certainly lying to her best friends and her, at least her best friends and teammates. And if that's the case, uh, they're convinced because I don't think anybody would go to bat for someone who they think is actually doping. Yeah. So that's just an interesting play because because social media lit up with people coming to her back. Oh, they did. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's another good example that like we never you don't know someone's character because you like what they post about. Like right. we see this in 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 normal society all the time where someone comes out with a drug problem and everyone's like I had no idea. Yeah, you you're not all one thing. You can be a great person and have a drug problem. Hmm, that true. happens all the time. So anyway, she she checks a lot of the boxes of your excuse doesn't hold up once you start looking into it. But I think the the biggest glaring one that a normal person can look at is that she had an appeal, a four-month appeal process and they gave her four-year ban, which is the maximum. Now, Brenda Martinez got um, popped about a year, year and a half ago, and they reduced it to single-digit months because they found out that it came from a tainted depression sub, uh, medicine prescription. Mm-hmm. And um, Aji Wilson got it for um, tainted beef, and they took hers from four years down to one year, two years. Was that, was that decided upon in the appeal process or after yes. that? Okay. Yeah. In the, and they looked at all of her evidence and said, we're giving you the maximum. So they've had this same excuse before and they've believed it and they didn't for her. And they know she's our most famous best chance for medal and that their results going to be extremely scrutinized and they stood by the maximum. But you know what happens in this case in somebody in that spotlight, they're going to hear a story. They're going to go to falafel burrito and they're going to go buy a burrito and they're going to go test the shit out of that meat. And they're going to go come up with their own data. They're going to have somebody eat that burrito, test their blood or your urine, and they're going to put it through like that appeal phase and that whole testimony or whatever it would be that, that, that had been done. It has to be done at yeah. that level. So my assumption is that this conclusion is backed up by things that we don't understand the process of. And what we've seen in the past with these uh, appeals is that, the board is extremely harsh on people who waste their time or disrespect them. Oh, they hate that. When you give them an excuse that's a clear lie and you fight it and never admit it, they give you the max, which means they just think her excuse is nonsense. So anyways, the big news is that now these she's a metal contender. Oh, yeah. She'd run 14, like 30, 14, 24 in a 5K. 
fast. She ran 357 or something, 1500. She's fast and she was our best. And now it's wide open on the women's distance running side. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder of two things. The race is never over until it's over. And if it's a competition played by humans, there's going to be cheating. There's yeah. going to be. So it's just a good reminder that we have to take everything with a grain of salt. Late stage career development, like what she had, can be applauded. But when it's nonsensical, it also sets off a lot of red flags. And she got really, really good in the, just the last couple of years after the point where normal distance runners improve. Mm, interesting. It's so interesting this time. There's also, um, who's the gentleman in the 800 who is hands down better than the rest? Um, what is Brazier. his name? Donovan Brazier. Brazier. We're looking at like your future world record holder. That's young. Yep. He's lives in our country. He makes the 800 meter pace look like he is on a warm up lap. He makes decisions during the race on the snap of a finger. When he chooses to take the lead, he just does it with ease and looks around like that was fun. Uh, I think we have the new world record holder in the 800 meters living on us soil. And I think it's, uh, it's only a matter of time, if not a matter of the next year. I fully agree. I think of anyone alive currently that we've seen race, he has the skill to take down the world record in the 800, which is one of the strongest running records ever. 141. It's something ridiculous. Yeah. Basically 141 flat. Oh, so fast. I can't even comprehend. Or is it 140.9? Doesn't matter. David Rudisha is just... He's like the Usain Bolt of the 800. Unbelievable frame and unbelievable stride. But both Bryce Hopple and Donovan Brazier were the number one and two. Uh, they're, they're clearly number one and two in championship race tactics and ability in the world right now, in my opinion. And they've only raced two 800s this year. So there's questions surrounding them about, about health and fitness. And they both got through the first round, but neither looked like a world beater. So it'll be very interesting to see. We could go one, two at the Olympics, or we could not even send them depending if like, if those questions are, are legitimate. We're going one, two. I think, I think we'll put two in the top three. Since we're just bullshit now, our topic will wait till next week. I think we were, <laughs> um, it's a good one, but, uh, but we were a little early on our topic. I would say in a week or two, it'd be more timely. So we'll just, yeah, that's right. We'll, this we'll is our excuse. I want to just, now that we're spitfiring, um, I want to uh, unsing praises for the NCAA women's distance announcer. Did you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> did you Did you listen to her? It, it was So what it reminded me of this is, so she kept using these words like threshold and VO2 max workouts. And like she pretended like she knew what she was talking about. And all I thought was this reflects so badly on people who do what we do and actually speak what is supposed to be happening and, and training and racing. And here's this woman just filling the listeners ears with absolute garbage and trash and fluff that meant absolutely nothing. And she made it a point to educate the public on what they were witnessing. And it wasn't even correct. It was horrible. The woman's distance announcer for the NCAA track and field championship should be fired. I will just say that. I think she retired the day after the championships. Did she? Because it was horrible. You know, sticking with my trying to see from other people's perspective. Are we we, we talking smack? Did we turn into ORM for one episode? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But during it, I, I was on the treadmill. I was watching all the highlights 
and I had it on. Lisa was working out next to me, and I kept saying to her, "Like this, this announcer can't stop talking about this type of workouts they should be doing while the race is running." There's a lot of great storylines at NCAAs, and all she could talk about was what kind of workouts these people do. And at first, I was thinking, wow, I hadn't ever thought about doing that style of workout for this race. I wonder if there's something. And eventually, I realized she said the same thing for every single race, regardless of tactics or setup or distance. And then I finally realized, like, this is like word vomit. And I understand how difficult it is to get on a mic in a live mm-hmm. race and call it. But that, yeah, that was hard to watch. And I just kept thinking, I really wish that we could, after this, link our our types, our running definitions oh, terminology. Uh, episode to anyone who would just listen to these races. Well, and then uh, we're not a gossip channel. We really aren't. But um, And she would say like, well, this is why the winner won because of those VO2 max threshold anaerobic workouts, which she just mashed everything together. Yeah. And I was like, and you're telling me that the people in 10th place weren't doing these workouts? They were just out there running in the gray zone three every day? Like, no, this woman didn't win because she was doing the proper training. Everybody behind her was doing the proper training, too. And it really just irked me. It eluded it. Okay. Anyway. She, she, she made one point that started out interesting, and then she made it a blanket statement. I thought, oh, I hope high school coaches didn't just listen to this. She said, uh, and she was talking about this race, like, and to be able to handle the demands of like the threshold for this, it's, this is where they're doing all those cut down 600s where you start out at race and then the last 200 you sprint and then you rest for 30 seconds and sprint again. And this is why everyone now, everyone is embracing the low mileage, high intensity, multiple two, three, four intense workouts a week. And they're all doing it. And and I thought it's cool to talk about the benefits of low volume because it's needed. But if there are high school coaches out there thinking they should be running three, four interval workouts every week, all season long, sprinting 600s and 200s, I just thought like, hey, that's not true. Not everyone's doing this. Not even the majority. And mm-hmm. two, you can't run four quality workouts a week all year. Let's just not do that. Like she had the start of a great point and then she lost me. That was my favorite point was the low volume, high, high volume, maybe overrated, low volume, high intensity was the benefit of. And then, yeah, she kind of ruined it. Um, we just turned like into a couple of Nancy's and Karen's of the running world. Which maybe I'm we kind cut of this out. Right now. No, we don't cut that out. It's important for people to listen because some people listen to that, absorbed it, and then was like, oh, it's all the same. Yeah. And I get it's, it's hard to, to say what you want to say in the moment in a live broadcast. But it's good for people to go in knowing that if you're going to watch these races, do not take her advice. Listen to Carrie Tolson announce. She's one of the best out there. She's fantastic. Yeah. And you know who I've been impressed with as well? Hmm. Kara Goucher. She's been good. She's been really good. I, I really like the fact that they're using some, some, some high-level racers who also can get on the mic and speak, and you're getting some really good analysis. Some Kara, Carrie, fantastic. Yeah, look what's happened in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you like the announcers or not, they're all full of ex-pros. Um, what else? What else do we want to chat out that's been going on then? Bracken? Um oh let's I, I, I talked about the Kenyan trials. Oh yeah. So we one of the great things about running is that playing time is not a conversation. There's no politics. It's black and white in terms of time. The stopwatch doesn't lie. And if you run the time, you're in. And you're on varsity 
you're on varsity if you're one of the top five fastest or seven fastest. Not if you live in a third world country. Not if you live in a third world country or a country where the government controls sport. And every single world championship and Olympic cycle, the selection process in Kenya in particular is mind-blowing. It would be the equivalent, let's say, let's talk about Robert Killian again, who is our most recent world champ. He's not having himself a season, doesn't run a single race, doesn't qualify for anything. And then Spartan says, you know what? Let's put him in anyways, because he's earned that right over years, or he had a flash of excellence last year. So let's roll the dice. Even though twelve, all these other people have earned the right to be there by qualifying, they'll kick someone else out to let Robert Killian in based on some sort of credential or relationship with directors based on what he might have the potential to do. In a sense, yeah. but continue. Their trials have a weird setup where they dictate the number of qualifying spots in the trials because each each country can send three athletes in running. With a caveat, they have to meet the Olympic standard. Correct. Right. So in Kenya, that's not a, an issue. They have 50 athletes who meet the, the standard. Well, we should explain that real quick, though. Okay, yeah. So there's an Olympic standard. There's a quali- A country has the ability to set an Olympic trial standard where like in the U.S. you have to run under 219 in a marathon or something like that for a male to qualify for the Olympic trials. And then we take our top three finishers at the Olympic trials to the Olympics. But the caveat is that you have to have hit the Olympic standard, which is generally much faster than the trial standard. It's like 211 or 13 or something. Yeah. So they take the top three finishers who have the standard. So you might be a 219 marathoner. You might run 215 in a tactical race and take third, but you don't get to go because you have to have run 212.30 to get to the Olympics. Correct. So even if you take top three, because every country gets three, but let's say no people from that country have actually run the Olympic standard, you as a top three participant in that event in your country, nobody might go because none of the top three made the Olympic predisposed or pre-chosen standard. So that's like a, that's an issue with the Olympics that like you see a lot of these small countries have nobody representing them in certain events. It's not because they didn't have a trials. It's not because they didn't have a top three. It's because those top three or their best didn't even meet the minimum standard to arrive at the Olympics. So that happens in almost every running event, every running event happens. Yeah. And it's an imperfect system because then what happens is what we'll see. We've, we saw in the U S last Olympic cycle where it was, I forget if it was the mile or, or whatever, but there was a, a male who ran the trial, the, the, the Olympic standard early in the cycle, had hit it like nine months before trials and had been injury plagued and out of shape, but he was the next available to go. So he went to the Olympics despite having no chance in his current fitness to do anything at the Olympics, where you might have someone who's really hot. PR and PR and PR and doesn't quite hit the tryout, the standard for the Olympics might miss it by a hundredth of a second. And he, you know, that he's just going to keep on PRing, but doesn't get to go because they don't have the standard. I guess I don't know this, but maybe you could clarify this for me. So let's say um, you have an Olympic uh, trials race, let's say the 5k and the top two have met the standard and take one and two, three hasn't made the standard and doesn't race to the standard in the Olympic trials. Number four has though. Do they bump number three 
and slide four into his spot, even though in the trials he did not earn his spot, but previously in the year he had run the standard. So they do slide you up. As long as you have three qualifying times at some point, even if you don't show up on race day in the trials, it will. Okay. Yeah. And that makes for very interesting race tactics in the 10 K for example, there was a woman who just got out and went for it because she needed the standard. And in fact, the announcers at first, Kara didn't quite pick up on it. She had something about her tactics and going early. It's a little early. And then realized, oh, yeah, she's making a run for the standard because it doesn't matter if she wins. She's got to hit the standard. And so, yeah, a lot of times you'll have you'll see a group of people in the marathon or in the distance events who say all four of us have a shot, but none of us have the standard. We're going to make it an honest pace and we're going to work together and go after a time. Right. And it's a pretty cool style of racing because, you know, like I just have I can't hold back. I'm just throwing all my chips on the table because it's winning go home if I don't hit the time. Yeah. Whereas if you have the standard already met, you want to get to the front and then put the brakes on. Get to the front, put the brakes on and just slow everybody down because you're year in. All right. Yeah. Continue with Kenya. So Kenya has both systems. They have the Olympic standard that they follow. They have their trials where they will designate a number of spots, but it's not necessarily three. So the 1500 meter for the men this year, as the prime example of Kenya, they have the the inarguable number one best male miler in the world, Timothy Chariot. Something like a dozen straight wins in major international races. He hasn't lost a Diamond League mile in like two years. He's won everything, reigning world and Olympic champ. And he had a hiccup with a hamstring and he's not in prime fitness and he took fourth. And they said, top two go, third spot we will determine and they chose someone else. No. So they're not giving him the chance to rehab in time. He's the defending champ. No one has even challenged him other than uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. And that's even... He still hasn't really had a chance against him. And he's not going recently, by the way. Set the European record. Yes. And and this happens in the marathon all the time. They'll have someone who's who's left off the marathon team despite being obviously a medal candidate. And they just they have both systems. They have some slots and they have politics. And we, the running community, can just never figure out why they choose the people they choose. It's mind blowing. And not that they're a rarity these days, but they're also one of the countries who have the luxury of choosing because they have so many that make the Olympic qualifying standard in all yes. the events where they can pick and choose. Whereas like if you live in like the Dominican Republic or not Dominican, anywhere, Switzerland, any any European country that doesn't have a huge running presence, they may not have one. Yeah. So they don't have that luxury. But Kenya can just literally pick out of a fishbowl because they have hundreds. And they always seem to choose wrong. Yeah. Always, always. There, there's always one choice you look at it and go, you know, the distance running world is celebrating that they don't have to race that woman right now at the Olympics. She's the mm-hmm. defending world champ and she didn't make her own team. So it's it's really interesting watching the politics of some of these nations deciding who gets to go. Where the U.S., <laughs> for one of the only things in our nation right now that isn't political, it's the U.S. <laughs> trials. The marathon happened, what, a year and a half ago? Yep. Our third place male just ran like 1415 in a 5K on the track. could basically run that. I mean, hopefully he's tuning up and was really overworked coming in before he tapers. But 
I like that guy, by the way. Yeah. He's like the everyman guy who made the Olympics. For sure. But a year and a half after qualifying for the Olympics, he's going to go run at the Olympics. As runners, we all know what a year and a half can do to us. And think about the people who have improved since then. Fifth place, who's now four minutes faster. Like, sorry, you got to wait. I thought they were going to rerun trials and have a bonus spot or something like that. But we, we stuck to our guns and said, these were the three. We gave you that spot. We're going to honor it. And now we have people that aren't healthy or whatever. So every country has a little bit of controversy because of bumping the Olympics back a year. But they all can, as long as, again, as long as the precedence of meeting the Olympic standard is followed, then countries have discretion to do what they want. There's no governing, I think, world body to decide how they country individualistically decides. So yeah, the most interesting one to me is Alfie and Tulemek. She won our marathon Olympic trials. You reached out to her actually to get her on the podcast. And she basically. And she put me off on her agent. Her agent yeah. said she's very busy. I, uh, I reached out to the top three performers on the male and female side. And she's the only one I heard back from. And she did respond to me personally, but sent me to her cool. agent. Well, pretty cool. I've reached, reached out to a hundred people who have ignored me or said, no, we got to work on that. Yeah, we do. We're not famous. Yeah, keep, Kirk. Apparently but not. Keep going. Anyways, when the Olympics got bumped back. She's like, I'm having a kid. And she did. She and her husband got pregnant, had a kid, and it gave her the chance to get back in time for this Olympics. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to see that story play out. Now, we don't know what fitness she's in, but she's trying to pull it off. She got a year and a half grace period, so she had a baby. That's wild, isn't that? That's a a tight window. But I guess if if she did get pregnant almost immediately, she's got a six-month window. (laughs) six months is a lot and then you think but you just had a baby i'm rooting for it i'll tell you what it's ballsy it is ballsy i've seen a lot of people post about that um let's talk let's talk one more side tangent topic here Mm -hmm. with uh with racing let's get back to ocr real quick what do you think of um sean is it roberts Mm -hmm. sean who went and beat Woodsy and whomever else in Savage Race. Yeah. What do you think of this kid? So his credentials, Sean Roberts, I don't know if you know this, Bracken. I reached out to him last week for an interview. Okay. Um, uh, sent him a message. He's got like 15 Instagram posts in the last five years, so he's not a big social media guy. Uh, and he said, sorry, it's not my style. I'm not interested. That's what he yeah. said. So I'm, I'm full of rejection over here. But – uh, this guy's a 403 uh, miler, I believe, like a 149 half miler. Uh, and he's but he's got like the 344 or 343 1500. 343 1500, right. He's found our sport, and he went out in a pretty technically proficient race course. It's not a Spartan race course. And he went and beat Ryan Woods. And who is the other one? Um I'm forgetting who else is in that race. Brian Gowiski. Um, Gowiski. Yeah, Gowiski. Killian. And, and he beat Woodsy by like a minute, if I'm not mistaken. What do we make of this guy? And so we know this Sean Roberts fella is planning to race more. He will not be in Utah because of some obligation. He will not be in Asheville because of an obligation, but he will be in West Virginia. And he's made the uh, elite qualification standard through age group racing in Jacksonville, Florida, way back in the day. So we got this dude who has the potential to be the one of the best in our sport, who hasn't even really 
shown up to a race other than Savage yet. Oh, he's the truth. And I, I've got to commentate his last two races. He's Correct. done two Savage. And what a lot of people don't know is that he did the Montana Spartan. And he co-led the Beast. Didn't know this. Super Beast, one of the two, day one. And it was his first time running hills, like actual hills. And his calves cramped like three or four miles in or five or six or whatever. And he may have DNF'd, but he was leading, he was leading the race there. Then he came to Ohio and I was commentating this race with Matt Davis and he passed the hill test. His first descent, he was picking his way down and watching. And his next descent, he opened up his 149, 800 legs and he ran down some pretty legitimate downhill runners. And he just lost time on every obstacle, but he didn't fail anything. But he had like impressive hiccups on tricky hanging obstacles. He got turned around or dead hang in the middle with no momentum. And he made it through everything and took third behind Atkins and Woods and then walked away and declined interview because he didn't want to be on camera and then asked Atkins not to post his picture on social media. Wish I would have known that before I reached out to him because I felt like an idiot. I reached out to Oh, you did? It's like yeah. going up to a girl and being like, hey, were you were you interested in dinner? And she'd be like, I got a boyfriend. Get lost. <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. So then he comes down to the next Savage race and blows everyone away. Just outran them. He outran Woods in on a flat course. So he's passed the flat course speed test. He's passed the hill test now. All we're waiting on is extended mountains. He passed the grip test. We don't know how his heavy, heavy carries are. And we don't know how his mountain running is. And that's it. I have a feeling that he will be working on that. He learned a lesson in Montana. And he probably wasn't super pumped with his Ohio proficiency. So he is like, he's cutting the mold of VJ. He's got that lean, ripped body. He's springy. I don't know if you saw his Instagram post where he, in that week, he broke five and dunked to keep his 17-year streak going. I didn't see that one, no. But he's probably 5'10", 5'11", 5'11", maybe, and he can dunk. So he's a springy, fast athlete. And I think he's he's the next slash current big thing in the sport. It's pretty cool to see happen. And it's happening under the radar. Yeah, he is under the radar. It makes me feel a little better that he uh, he rejected a few others. Um, he declined interview and asked not to be in a photo, huh? Yeah, walked out of the corral, kind of covered his face, said, I don't want to be on camera. If it's not for being self-conscious, which I don't think it is in this sport, maybe it's just him being, he does it for him. Maybe he's in witness protection. <laughs> I'd like to hear that story. But uh, maybe he's the uh, next coming of John Yatskow. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> is that what you said? Yep. <laughs> well, yep. I wouldn't be shocked if he... I told Matt if he went off into the woods and sent a carrier pigeon off to Yatsko to let him know he won. <laughs> They'd be uh, two peas in a pod, huh? Yeah, so he and Yatsko. But but different. John John will open up, and we haven't seen Sean open up yet, but he can run. He's got a pretty stride, Kirk. Mm. Very pretty. I'm jealous. All right. What, what Anything else top of mind today? Well, I'm going to be in Chicago commentating High Rock's championship on saturday oh you are so if people want to tune in to watch hunter magida and all of these people throw down Who are you and doing that the women's side as well i'll be i'll be doing some live coverage with matt davis 
You're going down physically? Yeah, I'm going to go down for that. It's only an hour. It's Navy Pier. It's about 70 minutes from my house. I want to watch it as much as anyone. And I might do a, <laughs> this is funny to bring us full circle here. I might do the, uh, the open or age group category in the morning so that I can still commentate the pro in the afternoon. Unacceptable. It's selfish as shit. Bracken. And I will be wearing a timing chip or won't I? Let's see the internet just bend you over and see how you take it. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I wear it or not. The last one I did was in Chicago. I wore my timing chip in my pocket and it didn't register. And so I was DQ'd <laughs> and then po- post-race reinstated, but maybe I'll just do the same thing. Yeah. Interesting. All right. When is that this next weekend? Yeah, it's coming up Saturday morning. Right. I'll probably race. And then Saturday around noon in the afternoon will be the pro coverage. And the women's side is going to be a throwdown. Hunter's going to destroy the men's side. And then it's a battle for second and third, but the women's field is wide open. Bunch of just, studs in these races where does kent stand in the high rocks train these days is he off off the train he's as far as i know he's not going he's if he were fully kent fit he is the second best person in north america second or third best in the world let me ask then you when we started this conversation you said that that uh killian got ridiculed and you said kent got some hate too yeah why Kent just said, people do this all the time. I've done it. Oh, he got ridiculed for his response to what Killian did? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he supported him and said, it's not a big deal. People do it all the time. Again, we're missing the fact that maybe someone lost their elite qualification. But there's still a nice way to say that. (laughs) Yeah. I think we chatted that one out to its end point. (laughs) Have you seen the movie Semi-Pro? Mm-mm. Will Farrell, he plays a, in a semi-pro basketball league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, years ago I saw it. Yeah. He does this. He's he's the player coach, mm-hmm. and they're not getting along. And he just screams at his team, what's our one rule? Everybody love everybody. <laughs> and that's how I'm signing off. Just everybody love everybody. You don't have to agree with it. Just love each other, people. Mm-hmm.